Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my... I don't even know what to do with this one. Green orb of all evils in the world, Alex Dandino. (laughs) Yeah, my well-endowed dragon riding green orb of a friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. That's the best Because I was like, what is more ever. crucial to heavy metal, the well-endowedness or the green orb? Or it's the really lo- neck and neck. <laughs> yeah, the Loch Nair itself? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, as always, if you could take a moment, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. We appreciate it, especially on iTunes. It yeah, does cool. help uh, make a difference with us finding uh, new and more people to join the show. Also, if you have social media, which of course you do, everyone has socials, uh, share us on your socials. And if you uh, do real life socialing, uh, tell some friends, man, that like movies, that like heavy metal, that like uh, animated ladies. Like, I mean, there, there's an audience for that out like there. Animated uh, boobs. Yep. Yeah. So hit us up, guys. Uh, now, on with the show. We conclude the Pod Gets Animated Month uh, with Heavy Metal. Easily one of the most iconic animated films of all time. Alex, what has been your life journey with the film Heavy Metal? <laughs> God, I mean, I feel like I saw Heavy Metal at way too young an age it's another one of those movies that just you find like late at night when you're not supposed to be downstairs anymore and you're supposed to be in bed you walk downstairs and you turn on like sci-fi or late night like some late night movie channel and this is what they're showing instead of like so- uh, the softcore porn like on skinamax <laughs> see i never could find this one on this was a to me i consider this it was when i was younger and we didn't have streaming uh, this was always at like the cutting edge of the someone hands this to you is like, oh, you haven't seen this. It was one of those kind of rites of passage movies. Um, I don't know. You are a little younger than me, but do you remember when that was Boondock Saints on uh, VHS? Everyone oh, was like pass it. Absolutely. Like, if you had the one friend who had Boondock Saints. My and Boondock it was like, Saints. Oh, dude, I had a girlfriend in high school who was like, you've got to watch Boondock Saints. I'm like, okay. And we watched Boondock Saints. She's like, it is the best movie ever. And I'm like, Okay. And we watched it. I was like, "Oh, that was cool." And then, like two, yeah, right. And then, like ten years later, I'm like, "Wait a second, movie is fucking stupid." But regardless, but how dare you? Heavy? How dare you? Yeah, sorry. My old jujitsu coach, Sean Patrick Flannery, will be avenged on this show. <laughs> sorry, that's ev- a true story, by the way. Sorry, every 19 year old with the Boondock Saints poster on your wall in the dorm rooms in college. My bad. They just cram it right in there next to Fight Club <laughs> and a marijuana leaf or something. Yeah, no, I like Fight. I like uh, all I like those Fight movies. Club. We're I not like gonna we're movies. not gonna litigate Boondock Saints, but I I'm do. saying I do like Boondock Saints. For me, when I was a kid, there was like Boondock Saints, Heavy Metal, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There was like four or five of these movies that it was one of those. Oh, if you're, you know, seeking out the films, right? You're yeah. running through like you're really into it, and you like stuff that's a little on the edge. Yeah. These are the ones you have to find. And I remember getting a VHS copy of Heavy Metal from someone. And again, being able to tell it to my mom, like, oh, it's just a cartoon. No big deal. Yeah. Of course, they didn't watch it with me. And it's all just fucking full frontal, the whole movie. Yeah. But it is this strange. 
because it functions as a coming of age or a, you know like a rite of passage movie um i guess there is a bit of a coming of age tale in there uh but also it's one of those <laughs> i feel like this is so often a time capsule movie for so many people right that it takes you back to a place and a time very specifically, right? Yeah. And for me, it was that age where it's like, you know, you're trying to find the weirdest movies, maybe smoking a little bit for, you know, some of the first times of your life. And here just comes this. And again, we talked about it a bit in Fire and Ice, like the wish fulfillment of preteen boys. That should actually just be the title of this movie, right? <laughs> yes. Preteen boy wish fulfillment. Because it has... Fantasy and science fiction, drugs, sex, violence, rock and roll. Um, I mean, it is as if there is just some kind of, you know, Philip K. Dick style algorithm. And it's like, what can we well, yeah. most create I mean, this that has, has all the elements to enslave the minds of 13-year-old boys? I mean, this is that movie. <laughs> this movie has, let's see, the like the people involved, too, are just like earmarks of nerddom and geekiness. Uh, like... Ivan Wright produ- Ivan Reitman produced this movie, which is essentially he's like the godfather of like everything we find funny in the nineteen eighties through nineteen nineties. Was like he was like the guy who directed Ghostbusters. Uh John Candy, Eugene Levy, and Harold Ramis all do voices in this movie. Uh Dan O'Bannon, who's the guy who wrote Alien, is one of the writers in this movie. And then Moabius informs like two of the visual stylings of the of these. I think it's a uh, Tarna and Harry Canyon is the one he the are is his are his visual styles, but like mm-hmm. again, this movie is littered with prepubescent. Well, you even told me Bernie Wrightson, Ber- oh yeah, Ber- legendary artist, fucking Bernie Wrightson, <laughs> Swamp Thing artist, wrote one of these. Like this is like the whole thing. Like this movie is made for <laughs> nerdy preteens who can't watch porn yet, who can get away with it by t- by tricking their mom into buying them animation movies. Like, right. And it it also feels a bit like it had that club vibe, right? Like I remember being a kid in another of the tapes that was just getting passed around was a Holy Grail, right? Where it was like, you haven't seen Holy Grail. Oh, yeah. You know, Akira was kind of like this, uh, you know, some anime stuff. But it was just one of those like if you were in these circles, people were aghast. Yeah. They're like, you're 14 and you haven't smoked pot and watched heavy metal yet. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) You know, and you're like, I'm I'm blowing it. I'm sorry. Like, right. little did I know that would be a theme of my whole life. Like, oh, I'm behind and failing. Sorry. I'm just preparing for my adult life. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I this the other fun thing about this movie is, again, like you said, there's so many extra elements. It, I always felt like this one sent me scurrying to other stuff. So not only does it become like a touchstone of where you were and trying to like find all the coolest stuff, but it also shoots you out to all kinds of other cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's really like what the whole point of, I mean, it's interesting to me is I feel like that's a lot of what heavy metal, the magazine is too. Like Mm -hmm. heavy metal in general is about showcasing what's great about fantasy and science fiction art. And it's brought up some great, it's brought some great artists to lay. Like I think, um, you know, Moebius was featured in there. H.R. Uh, Geiger. Like, there's a bunch of things that you got to see in Heavy Metal magazine that inform so much of the culture. Same way, yeah. like same way, like National Lampoon and Mad Magazine inform so much of like the counterculture of like the 70s through the 80s. So, like, I feel like Heavy Metal the movie functions almost the exact same way, which is it's like the gateway drug for 
Hey, did you like that? Well, you might also like this. Hey, what do you think of that? You might like this. Hey, did you enjoy that segment? You should read this book. Like, that's what's yeah. so valuable about this movie to me uh, from a cultural standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it becomes a nexus of styles and genres and, you know, different talent. It's just, it. it I just always remember feeling it was strange. It was one of the first movies I saw and it was animated and in my brain i was like this doesn't seem right oh it's bizarre like, why is this animated right like, oh absolutely what is that it, it it just it was one of the movies i remember just kind of again watching through a cloud and just being like oh, i remember what? i remember the like, first what? like the first it makes you feel almost like yeah like i shouldn't be here i should not be what what if i get caught watching heavy metal <laughs> the first thought i had was i was like i'm very uncomfortable like, i remember watching this when i was younger and being like i'm very uncomfortable watching this like even at the very beginning like <laughs> like the grimaldi were you a square kid like no but it's like even like it, what it was was like the framing device so the framing segments this grimaldi thing that happens at the beginning with the Lochnar, which is this green orb that apparently contains all evil in the world this sounds so nerdy describing it by the way um but i remember specifically the little girl's face when the lochnar talks to her that to me when i remember i remember seeing that as a kid and getting like scared because like that well, face not only that so it just melted her father right exactly like no but that is like i'm like well that's kind of like whatever like her face though of fear i was like i didn't know you could animate stuff like that like that's the yeah. thing that was shocking to me was that felt so visceral and real. And that was like, well, it's, I remember being like, okay, this is definitely going to be a different experience. Yeah. Well, it's strange because it starts off with kind of this almost star Wars shot of a spaceship. Right. And then it just drops a car out of it. And there's an astronaut just driving a car with windshield wipers going during reanimation. But again, and, and it sets you up in an interesting way. This is the, the blending of all the styles and elements, right? Cause this one is more, I don't, I don't even know how they animated that opening now that I'm thinking back, right? It felt like an MTV opening almost. Oh, yeah. And then they cut to more like a traditional kind of 2D animation. Yep. But we're going from, you know, sci-fi to absurdity to farmhouse 2D animation um, into a science fiction glowing orb that came from a spaceship into the horror of I am actually a fantastical being and melting her father. Um, it's just throwing horror, sci-fi, styles. I mean, everything that we were used to at that age out the window, right? Right. But you're used to, here's an animated film, uniform styles, you know, kind of a straight story. And it's just all gone yeah. early in the film. Um, yeah, it just it, it feels groundbreaking and um, transgressive early. Yeah, absolutely. Where you don't you don't have any reliability of what's what they're going to show you next. No. Yeah, I had no idea. Like, I think. It was one of the first, I remember when I was a kid, it being one of the first times I had seen um, like segmented, a segmented movie like that. Not only that, but like using a mm. framing device the way they did and that kind of like I had never seen a movie like that when I saw it um, as far as that goes. Like the storytelling devices were very different. And yeah, like you didn't know because it wasn't a uniform type of animation. So you didn't know what was coming next and everything looked so different. So yeah, I mean, it's just an experience. It's an experience like no other when you're younger to watch this movie. And I mean, I mean, at any age, really, if you've never seen it before, you should watch it before you listen to this podcast, by the way. But um, regardless, <laughs> like it's just one of those movies where you watch it and you did not know that's like you had a feeling because of the way it's been described to you. But you did not know that's what it was going to be. Like, I think that's probably the most 
it's sort of like you can't really prepare somebody for heavy metal. You can just like I can literally just sit here and say, yeah, there's a bunch of tits and there's aliens and there's a uh, sci-fi, and that literally <laughs> prepares you for none of it. Yeah, I mean that sums up like a large swath of what you're seeing, <laughs> but it's how you're seeing it is what heavy metal does, right? Right, right. Because that's the, on the surface. I, was, I don't think any segment in the whole movie, short of maybe our final segment with the what are they, the Trocknar, the Trocknarian hero, the tar- Tarna. Yeah, the Tarnak, Tarnakian hero. Yeah, yeah. Tarka- Tar Tarsian. Her name's Tarna. Tarna. Yeah. So Tarna the warrior. That woman. there's very little that you know story wise is actually very interesting but it's it's the mixing of all the elements that makes it captivating right yeah. so even our opening i love the the opening story which is where we go to new york or just kind of sitting with a cab and he's like eh, hey, new york is the scum of the universe and what i like about this one is they actually do an insanely good job of kind of fleshing out this world of new york with details right it becomes this really cool kind of noir story, even though the story itself is so basic yeah, and so fast and so simple. But they do this cool thing like, oh, you know, everything's a slum. Uh, they're letting in actual aliens. Um, it's just it's a strange world and vibe, but they set it up really well, really fast. Like I like when the guy gets in and he the cabbie's like taking a fare and he's just like, I'm going to rob you. And the guy just has a foot laser to melt him. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, not again. It's just so like nonchalant that he has to laser melt someone every day. I like and also I was like, um, but it's also scary. So like, imagine a world where we empower cab drivers to just willy nilly execute us in the back of a cab. I love terrifying. That. I love that dude. He's like, not again. And throws the gun in his glove compartment with like a billion other guns and a hand grenade. He has a mace. But no, you're right. Like the uh, so the story is called Harry Canyon. That's the character's name, and yeah, it's a really simple like it's a really truncated like film noir story of like oh guy gets caught up in some stuff he doesn't understand. Which of course, like the through line to this whole thing is this green orb, the Lochnar, and it's there in like some mm. form or another throughout the whole thing. But it is told so succinctly and so well and so quickly that. Yeah, you're just kind of like, cool. Like, he literally picks this woman up because she's getting shot at, takes her home, bangs her. Actually, I was watching it. My wife marveled. She goes, wow, good for that guy. I'm like, what? And she goes, all he had to do was pick that lady up, and he, she had sex with him. I'm like, future's an amazing place. You know? I mean, like, that's like, that's yeah. like, that's what well, it was. Also, he looks like, if he was cast in a movie, he would be, like, the sex offender, like, scary character. And in <laughs> this, he's, like, mildly the hero. Oh, totally. Right? But then there, there's so much weird stuff going on because he picks her up and she's the daughter of a professor who has uncovered this thing being chased by like cartoon Brando. Yeah. And some cyborgs. She gets in and you're like, so wait, you were working at the museum, but you're dressed like a porno movie nurse. Oh, yeah. Right. And they just hit immediately with the, you know, vivacious, voluptuous animations. You're like, all right, cool. But this is the other thing I love, right? The police station. This is why I think this is one of the better segments. They get to the police station. He carries her in. All the prostitutes are like, hey, Harry. <laughs> so he tells you a lot about him right away. Right, right. He goes, I'd like to report a murder. And the cops essentially are like, what else is new? Like, give us a bunch of money. And he just walks out. And you're like, that little scene adds a lot to this world, man. It te- And I- I'm always fascinated by movies that find ways to use those little moments to yeah. 
really expand the size and scope of their world. Um, but yeah, the the him having sex with her right away was just so strange. Because he also has that, I don't know, maybe it was the first time with the New Yorker. Uh, maybe his good old American know-how is giving her the red, white, and blues. That's the best. Like, that the, wow, the way okay. he describes sex is so oddly patriotic. And I'm like, why is this happening like this? But then the way that... It's like his duty as an American, the same as paying taxes. He's like, I guess yeah. I'm just going to have to bang this lady's guess brains I'm gonna out. I'm going to have to bang this lady, I guess. <laughs> oh, hey, what are you going to do? You know, yeah, hey, oh. And like... I've never. I'll say yeah, that. I mean, I, it's not my bag of day. It's Tuesday, not Wednesday. But oh, all right, I've whatever. Absolutely, <laughs> in a million years, never expected. I will. I will never assume to see an animated nipple flick in a movie again. But sure enough, heavy metal provides that for us. Like, <laughs> it's. You know what else they add in this detail besides the nipple flick, which is hilarious? Uh, the moment his door opens, they start the uh, the smooth journey. <laughs> Uh, it's Open Arms by Journey, right? Yeah, is yeah. the song that's playing. And I'm like, uh, it's almost like a quagmire from Family Guy. Like, as soon as he opens it, he's like, hit him with the parry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit him with the parry. And then he's like, oh, yeah, just sleep on the couch. Wink. He knew the journey was working its magic. <laughs> this is not the first uh, librarian or museum guy's daughter who's fallen to the, the treats of Journey. <laughs> Oh my god! I totally forgot. But, it's open arms by Journey. God, I, yeah. I was so, I was so it's just crazy. entranced by his. Oh, you know, you hit it with the old red, white, and blue. Give her the Eiffel Tower. Give her yeah. the oh, hey, hey, but day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, oh, hey. Hey, hey, you know. And then he wakes up in the morning. She's gone. People are rabble rousing him. But again, I just I like this. They just never miss a detail that tells us a lot about the world, right? The Gestapo tactics. Fat Brando in the cab. Yeah. Uh, you know, the robot hot dog vendor, the machine guns that the taxi has as defense. Yep. It just tells you a lot about the kind of like wild, terrifying world that this exists in. So while we see this guy, Harry Canyon, who looks like he'd be cast as like, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio oh, or yeah. someone like someone who would be like a menacing, scary I mean, he character just, actor. I mean, he just, they find a way to make this world so terrifying. He becomes like a believable leading man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's like again, like it ends the way any good like detective story ends, which is like he gets double crossed. He's like, "Oh, all right, I guess you're gonna do this," and then he vaporizes her. Uh, and then he, the best part is like, this takes is, all the money himself, takes all the money himself, <laughs> leaves the Lochnar. Marlon Brando gets melted. Um, and then we move on to the the next segment. You know what I love though? There's a detail at the end of that. Hold on, there's a detail at the end of that <laughs> when he vaporizes her. And he's like, well, I guess the money's mine. He, they cut to him. He reset the meter. So the whole time he was driving her to the meet and whatever, he was charging her. Okay. He had the meter right that's the best. Okay. Actually, that's a really good point. I forgot. That's like my favorite detail. That's one of my favorite details is he resets the meter and then his voiceover is like, oh, you know, 30 bucks gave a hell of a tip. You know what I mean? Oh. And then like that's the end. All right. Two day ride, I love a tip. Hey. <laughs> I mean, it's this is not the. It feels like this is what happens to him every week. Yeah, he's like, well, I guess I got another three hundred G's. Oh, hey, what are you gonna do? Well, I'll just sit on it, I guess. I'll throw it down on the track. You know? yeah, I'm like, I know what you're doing. You're going down to that precinct and picking up some of those night walkers we saw earlier. <laughs> I love it. So then uh, we go to the uh, the next segment, which is called Den, or 
uh, I'm surprised they don't use its subtitle masturbation, the movie. Um, but nevertheless, here we are. <laughs> like this. Yeah, is, this one was awesome. I mean, okay. Den is literally a teenager who touches the Loch Nar orb and gets sucked into, uh, is it Neverwhere? Is that where he goes? You know what? This is strange too, though, right? Cause this is where they start kind of shifting our narrative device. Yeah. Because everyone else we see touch it throughout the movie melts mm-hmm. until this point. And then it starts the, – the the rock kind of changes where it can also be this Pandora's box kind of thing. Well, And this one is – maybe I'm overthinking a movie like Heavy Metal, but I was like, why did it just change him into a hero and nothing – was it just so the Lochnar could be free of these battling cults? Like, I don't – Well, my que- This one was strange to me well, my how question, they used the, the My rock. question to you, though, then, is is the Lochnar actually melting – like, when it melts people, does it trap their souls inside of it? Like, maybe that's why it's the – housing of all evils and that's actually like where den goes that ends up being yeah the whole because there's this one and then later they show it as a necklace on a secretary who seemingly is like a pretty okay lady she has an affair i guess on or no it's just cheating on a boyfriend yeah she's on her boyfriend with a robot voiced by john candy can you hate it no you cannot yeah you know my stance the cheating on boyfriends girlfriends not on the same caliber as an affair not a big deal no but you should be thankful if you're ever in that situation. Yeah, it wasn't so like, going to work anyways. Den is basically the fire and ice wish fulfillment episode where this nerd gets to be gets to be yeah. this like hulking body. The best part is like he starts like his voiceover starts with um he tur- he like looks up he's like and it's John Candy. Is it John Candy really? John Candy voice, yeah. Holy shit, that's amazing. Um, the kid like looks down. He's like, I was gonna walk around with my dork out. That'd be wrong. I always like the. <laughs> I always forget the words people use, but then like every single situation oh, he yeah. gets himself into, he ends up getting having sex with uh, whatever whatever female character he runs into. Yeah, and he he keeps vo- go back me into the corner. I have to fuck my way out. <laughs> but the best every single time this has my favorite moment though in the entire movie. Right, so he jumps in the the cult of giant tits. I guess is all it is. Throws this lady into a pond. He jumps in and saves her. Swims away, uh, you know, resuscitates her. And all of a sudden, the animation is just fully panning over these giant boobs. And her nipples are almost drawn like flowers. Yeah. Right? Like, just totally gratuitous, uh, you know, little teenage boy service. And all of a sudden, he goes, she had the best eyes. <laughs> she had the most. That's like, what a wink and a nod. That was a, she had the prettiest eyes. And yeah, literally like her b- boobs are flopped out. I'm like, good Lord. Are we- yeah. She like wakes up and it's like, boom, 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 And then he, and then he like, yeah, like, I don't even think these women could exist in the real world. They'd all need like those Forrest Gump crutches and like nat- back braces from these carrying around these giant boobs all day. <laughs> the best, the best though is like, so he gets caught by his other like immortal being who wants the Loch Nair. He goes to the queen's den. He goes to like the queen and she's like, oh, I will only give you, I'll only let you go if you have sex with me. Like, I mean, it's just like, it's all just, right. If I have to, it's just a bit, <laughs> and then his voice was like, man, I couldn't believe I got lucky twice in one day. I'd never get that way on earth. I'm like, what is happening with this? Like, well, also in that point when he says he's 18, because at the start he looks like a 12 year old far side character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so apparently, so the guy who wrote it, too, no, I just, I mean, this one is just, it's just fun. It's just silly fun. Like, it reminds me and my buddies 
like talking about fantasy stories, this is how it would sound to me, right? Yeah. No, this is absolutely like a guy coming. <laughs> this is absolutely like a group of friends coming up with a story. Like, all right, you like go into like a place. Well, first off, <laughs> gotta have sex with that hot chick, right? Yeah, totally. Huh. Um, and then uh. Save the planet, I guess. Well, I also love that the bad guy they added. Well, I guess they're both bad guys fighting over it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the dra- the people who ride dragonflies are bad, and they want to sacrifice her. And then they made this like really strange kind of like the Loch Ness Monster, stupid bitch. That little toga guy. <laughs> it's just like the sassiest, like <laughs> most flamboyant dude. It's like it's mine, you stupid bitch. When him and the lady are fighting over the Loch Ness before they get electrocuted. Right, right. <laughs> that character to me was so straight. It's like this uh, weird little Caligula, right? But like with modern sass. <laughs> I, it's one of those like this segment was so funny. And like I was watching it and yeah, Andrea kept like walking in every once in a while. And uh, she was like, are you still watching this? I'm like, yes. She's like, why? I'm like, because this is probably what I was like when I was 12 years old. Like writing some weird story about like how I could totally get laid. Like that is... That is wish fulfillment. <laughs> that is wish fulfillment on high. So yes, Den is probably one of my favorite stories in this entire entire movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they kind of slide a little bit for me from here. Uh, yeah. The space station makes no sense to me. It's really fun, right? Yeah. And again, I like the kind of shifting styles. The space station one to me though is very strange because it's essentially here's a captain, and this is what we know about him, right? Minimum thirty seven rapes, as they say. Right, runs a uh, nun dope ring, a preschool prostitution ring, among a myriad of other crimes. Wait, hang on. I have 12 counts. His of, whole ploy. 12 counts of murder. Oh, you got more. Okay, yeah. Read the rap list. 12 counts of murder in the first degree, 14 counts of armed theft of Federation property, 22 counts of piracy in high space, 18 counts of fraud, 37 counts of rape, and one moving violation. Yeah, I mean, like, Cosby amounts of rape is what we're at. <laughs> yeah, we're Cosby And level. this guy, his whole plan is, I'm going to get this mild-mannered, nice janitor. Or I think maybe maybe he's not a janitor, right? But, like, that type, right? Just, like, a nice, normal guy face around the station. Right. Who picks up the rock, again, doesn't melt, but morphs into this giant mutant killing machine. Yeah. Right? Goes on a rampage after pretty much telling it he's supposed to be the star character witness and is like, yeah, that guy does suck rampages through the ship and they just launch him out into space. And I was like, okay, well once everyone seals that hole up, you're still going on trial and you're still a hundred percent killed. Like this is the worst legal defense I've ever seen. I love because he just keeps telling his lawyer, like, don't worry, I figured it out. And it's like, so we know everything we need to know about him. He's like the world's worst criminal. Yeah. Right? I like the idea. Like as soon as this is over, they roll him right back down to that courtroom and he's done. Yeah. After this is over, I like the idea. Like they all looked at each other. Like, so, so what, what, what do we do now? Well, I mean, the guy's definitely going to jail. He's like, yeah. yeah, we know everything now. Well, that was weird. We might as well throw out the proceedings, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that makes me laugh. Oh my God. Well, I guess it's over now. Yeah. I, yeah. What else do we? Okay, so yeah, we have two more segments before the cool, and we do the WW2 plane. Yeah, that was all right. Which, it doesn't really, there's not really much to it. It's just kind of visually fun, right? Yeah. Like, I like the, and again, we see new powers of the Lochnar. It's uh, kind of making these, like, mutant zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's a fun little visual aside. Then we cut to the real Pentagon Ugh. and find out that this doctor everyone's listening to, that there are mutants being made everywhere. 
uh, and the doctor we all trust is turned into a sexual deviant by the Lochnar and then picked up by aliens who maybe dropped him on this planet. Yeah, which you find out he's a... And he's, then we learn that all robots are fucking uh, sex-obsessed, maybe. Yeah, apparently he's a... <laughs> no, they say he's a defective android, apparently, and then... Uh, so the, and then this woman Gloria gets sucked up into the spaceship with him, and then John Candy's robot has sex with him while Eugene Levy and Harold Ramis's alien characters snort plutonium Nyborg, which is basically like space coke, and crash. And not even like a little bit, like, right? Like Scarface would be jealous. Tony Montana would be jealous of how much cocaine they do off the. Floor. It's like if you've ever seen, if you've ever rented those, um, if you've ever rented from Home Depot. The um, steamers, like the big steamers for like the renters rent the steamers for the day. <laughs> they like take those and put cocaine out in like droves on the floor. That's that's how much cocaine there is. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And then they proceed to essentially just the robots like, hey, we had sex. Can you marry me? She's like, nah, I don't know. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> and they're like, OK, I guess. And then we just cut to them uh, recklessly driving. Yeah. And then they and crashing the ship, and then that's actually the just that's the, end the end of it. it. Just strange, but again, it fits perfectly, knowing that like it's probably a lot of preteens and teens watching it. Some of them will be stoned. If, if uh, your mind leaps from thing to thing a lot, if, like, it fits perfectly, knowing that this is uh, almost punctuated by a Sammy Hagar song. So you know, <laughs> who probably has done the most floor cocaine? <laughs> Call Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was the debate. Let's see. In this, we have Grand Funk Railroad, Cheap Trick, Nazareth, Don Felder, Trust. Who's someone who's done a lot of cocaine that we could bring in on this? Hagar. Oh, man. Perfect. Call that guy. He's not doing anything. So then, we yeah, we finally get to Tarno, which is the last one, which is actually pretty cool. And this is kind of the most iconic, like, biggest piece of the movie, right? This is the one, ever this is this is what one everyone, everyone knows. knows. This is what South Park uh, spoofed, right? Like, this is the cover, right? Oh, yeah. I actually, yeah, great T-shirt, by the way, this one. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so this is now uh, the green Lochnar has taken over a volcano. All these pilgrims come. You know, they look kind of like weary travelers trying to find their way. They're hit by this, like, snot lava yeah. and turned into mutant murderers. Uh, we go to this village of, uh, you know, they're like, oh, we're just like useless politicians. We're not a warrior race. They're slaughtering us. They're like, summon the Tarak. Yeah. Tarark. You know, they'll answer the call and defend. I thought they were extinct. No, there is but one left. Slaughter continues. And all of a sudden we see flying on this little, like, uh, the most annoying hairless chicken of all time. Yeah, it's horrible. It's just constantly making this terrible screech the entire segment. Uh so the devastation is seen and then we go to a giant swimming pool that separates her from a giant statue of a sword lady. Instead of just flying over it, we have to get butt naked, full frontal and bush again, yep. swim across, slowly come out of the water, ah, only to receive the worst armor of all time. Yep. It's like, hey, do you have any uh like spandex rubber bands around yeah. that I can uh, squeeze my tits hey, question. instead of having, having she has one piece of armor and it's on her shoulder blade she has one piece of armor and oh socks she gets to wear socks under her boots I'm like yeah really this is the nylon leggings, nylon leggings. <laughs> I also love like so she so she swims across the pool and like gets her armor and everything and she's also <laughs> but like 
the way it's positioned, the way the um, uh, giant statue's positioned, she's literally like at the mouth of the statue's vagina. And she's yeah. sort of standing there, and then she grabs her uh, sword out of the uh, water and is struck by lightning and all kinds of cool stuff. And then she becomes a warrior riding a hairless chicken. Yeah, it's a little He-Man at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, she becomes a warrior. You know, the power of Grayskull. Uh, yeah, I like her next move. She goes to a bar with some rowdies. Yep, very cool. We see uh, it's a cool little bar. I don't know why I like the bar scene. I just do. There's like this. It kind of has a can like Jabba's Cantina band, that edition. We were like, ooh. It looks like this band. Like, what if Devo had just never gone away and just kept mutating and evolving? Right. Right, like that's what this band would be, and then uh, you know she kills some bad guys, gets on the road, and then almost as if it's planned, yeah, because we see her, she pretty much just headlops three dudes like nothing. So this yeah. is how we know she's a badass, right? Um, and then yeah, she just starts flying out, and out of nowhere she gets bagged as if this was all a plan. They net her and her uh, giant bird, and then. <laughs> This is where we go to, uh, we got to chain her up, have her butt naked again. Mm -hmm. And the bad guy's just like, fetch my whips. <laughs> God damn it. It makes me sad that as a 13-year-old boy, this is like the thing I was like, wow. <laughs> You're like almost ashamed. You're like, why was I a preteen boy at one yeah, time? I, know. <laughs> like, I mean, all, so of, all of us have that like, God damn it, what was wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I guess they whip her enough that they just are going to dispose of her in this whole uh, with her outfit, like you can dress yourself now that you've been lashed thoroughly. <laughs> now that you've inflated the span now, yeah. now that you've flagellated naked, we can let you wear your clothes again. Yeah, God only knows what was happening in that greasy ass chamber while this was happening. I'm glad we don't see it. Um and then yeah, her super intelligent bird makes a break for it and they they fly away to go to go make more battle. I mean, that's really it. Like there's not a lot else to it. I I think ultimately I like Tarna. Like it's it's definitely my it's the iconic segment. It's, it's fun. It's visually insane. It's visually like, it's awesome. Just, the visuals in the world are just really fun, and this, they're they're so iconic in my mind now that even as you watch and you're like, yeah, I guess there's not like a ton going on. This is she's just this avenging spirit. It's just cool yeah. still to well, me. This is one of two Moebius inspired animations, which is cool. And again, like that's why you take that kind of stuff and make it animated because it's something else man it's otherworldly it's really really cool so yes i love this one it is a very simple easy story much like fire and ice like again like that's we said it on the last show like fire and ice is sort of like this forgotten episode of the heavy metal movie uh that they like accidentally made too long so they just let it be its own flick because it has roughly the same amount of like uh storytelling devices but tarna is just so iconically beautiful as far as animation goes as far as design elements are it's really really cool yeah that again like it's the magic of this movie it's like this is a really simple basic story that really shouldn't be looked upon as anything else and we're all sitting there just in wonder going whoa and yeah as 13 year old boys you're like whoa tits but then like when you get a little bit older you're like wow this is like amazing to be able to do this and i mean whatever year this made was in 1981 like that's 81 yeah like that is that's pretty amazing man like especially especially yeah, when you look it, back on it's cool yeah and it, and it feels like again i'm just kind of fascinated by this movie because it feels like all it is is just like a let's see like let's see what we can do kind yeah. of movie right like there is no kind of grandiose narrative they're not really trying to say or do much other than just 
let's squeeze all the cool stuff that we like into one frame at a time and just see what happens. Um, you know, and there is the kind of, at the end we find out like, this is the weird part of the, the green balls plan is like, why would you work your way to the lady who's going to become the, uh, large breasted Avenger again and defeat you in the farmhouse? Like, is there a large breasted hero in all of us? Is that the, perhaps that's, the that's what I'm taking away from it. Perhaps that the thing inside of all of us is a large breasted, uh, nylon wearing hero waiting to break free. <laughs> Luckily I'm already halfway there. Maybe someday. Yeah. Right. I just need the, I just heroic, need the heroic part, part <laughs> and I'll be all good to go. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't, it just, I think it's kind of cool now. Cause I feel like now we're in this age where people are so hip to the finances of movies. And how movies come out as properties and branding. And this just feels like one of those movies where it's just guys like, man, that would be kind of fun. And so they're just fucking around. And we we were the beneficiaries of it. And, you know, if nothing else, it just it is this exact Stargate style portal to a very specific time in my life. And especially my my time as a cinephile. Right. Like this was the time when. I was searching for these kind of curiosities and oddities. And I remember being handed the tape. I remember saying, we got to smoke when we watch this. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, it, it's one of the movies, like one of my top 10, probably most memorable. The first time you saw this movie. Yeah. And you know, again, I don't know that movies always have to be, like, I mean, that's the big debate, right? Like, isn't the sole purpose of a film entertainment above all else? Like, if they can do other things like entertain and help you spread knowledge or, you know, some kind of message to better humanity, fine. But some movies are just entertainment, man. And for some reason, this one has all of these weird disparate ingredients that, you know, the alchemy makes just kind of a a fun, strange, and uh, above all else, memorable film experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... The important thing about heavy metal and the thing that I love the most is you watch this and you see the beginning of something, you see the beginning of something that we've tried, we've been chasing for years now, which is like, how do we capture that same magic? How do you capture that same level of like intrigue and entertainment and like, no, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be sexy time. It's just like, how do you capture that same level of like, oh man, I'm on the edge. Like I'm trying to do something. I'm just, I'm like, you, you said it best. Like it's you see like the beginning of something let's just see what we can do and that's what's really cool so like you see that and you do all that and then you get to this was 81 and now it's 2019 and love death and robots comes out which is essentially which is actually technically the remake that they've been trying to do for years uh it's a like an addendum of this it's it's awesome to see that it's the spirit of it that's continued. I, I love that about, I love that particularly about heavy metal is it's the same spirit of like, let's just see what works. Let's try something. And it's all different kinds of animation. It's all different kinds of creators. It's all different types of stuff. And that's like, that's inspiring stuff, man. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, you know that this was probably a passion project for most of these people totally. based on where they were. Right. And yeah, I mean, anytime people have a lot of passion and are out there experimenting at the edges of their creativity, I mean, I, I think that's fun to see. And I'm, I'm just glad movies like this uh, from this time period existed. And more than anything, I think this is a great movie to wrap up our Pod Gets Animated first movie. Again, of course, someday we'll be back with the Pod Gets Reanimated because that's a great title. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I just like that this one, as much as any of the others we watch, shows what is so great in animation is that you can take these big, crazy, absurd pieces and worlds and just present them in a way where you just you lose a lot of that. You're like, yeah, okay, I'll go wherever. I'll go from fantasy to tits to space station to zombies. You know, the jumping around and leaping it, the way that animation can help you just create a fabric of a new reality that is so easy for us to swallow. I, you know, I think heavy metal does a great job of that. I agree. I mean, that's the point of, I mean, that's really just the point of heavy metal in general. And I'm, I'm glad that a movie like this exists because it means that all these other great things will come for from it. So can't hate it. That's it guys. That's it for heavy metal. Uh, if you like this movie as much as we did, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, uh, our email, philmalchemist at gmail.com or philmalchemistpod, I believe, at gmail.com with uh, suggestions on movies, list, whatever. When did you first see heavy metal? What was your experience like? What were other VHS uh, ring style movies that you guys were passing around as youngsters or uh, I guess probably DVDs for most of you? Uh, you know, hit us up, leave us a rating and review, share us on the socials, uh, next month, guys, starting next week, the brat pack, the pod joins the brat pack. Uh, and we are starting off with probably the best of all the brat pack movies, the breakfast club. So delightful. The pod joins the breakfast club this August, uh, right here on film alchemist guys. We'll see you then for the film alchemist. I'm Josh Griffin. I'm Alex Dandino. How do you, can you make like boobs flopping sounds? Ooh, see, why are your boobs so wet? Gross. <laughs>